We walked, uh, those people that, that uh, accepted Christ, we walked two, and I think I told you that last week, we walked two and a half miles one way uh, to go baptize them in that lake. The lake was a little murky on the side, a lot of cattle and stuff using it. And that was the only, like, water around. And Dave had some pictures of the water quality, but I didn't put it on there because it was a little skeevy. But those people were, um, more came to be baptized. Two and a half miles one way, that's obedience, in my opinion. If you want to get baptized, I mean, you got to want it. Two and a half miles. And uh, that, was, that was real positive. And then that, that other river, we, that was 50 miles away from um, uh, the city proper area. And there was no houses, but it blew my mind. It's like, here's all this beautiful water, you know, and, and nobody by. There was a couple ladies, but uh, Dave was walking down beside it, and I learned two words there. I learned uh, bombo, which is mister, like, hey, mister, or senor, and, you know, whatever. It's like that, you know. And, um, and mazungu, mazungu was white man. And so this man keeps calling out, Bombo, Bombo, Mazungu, Mazungu, get away from the water. There's crocodile. Dave's walking along the edge. You know, There's crocodiles in there. So we almost got to see Dave snatched into the watery depth, and that would have been a more exciting mission trip, but it didn't happen. So he was too fleet of foot. But um, so we're going to talk about some of the things we saw in there. Um, this morning, my desire for you, so uh, young people are, are warned if you want to, um, or you already take off with the kids. Um, those five and under that are going, um, you're free to go. And um, or what are we, six and under? What, what's the age now? Six and under, Tracy says. They got, they got a posse today, so it's going to be good. So I hate to see you go, little fellers, but this might take a second. Mm. So my goal, my goal, my desire, I don't want, I want God's, I want God through this Holy Spirit to speak through me this morning. I want you to hear his word and not Dale speaking. I'm going to use a couple uh, uh, Dale parables this morning. I want you to hear those, but know that uh, if I'm telling you a story and it's my version, it's not God's word. So don't hold God's word to the standard of Dale's story, okay? But I do want to use some stories to kind of illustrate some things this morning. God's word is the like Tony was talking about, it's the foundation, it's the utmost importance. That's what we dwell on, God's Word. So if you can use what I tell you this morning, I pray that you will. I pray that you'll use it after this as you go and talk to others out there. Um, what I would like to see, I started to say, is I would like to see our church develop in a way that I think we're falling short a little bit in. It's not a, neg it's not a negative, it's just we could do better. I've been to multiple churches in multiple countries, in, in, in Bolivia, in Peru, and now, now Africa, and Guatemala, Mexico. And, and I see something that we seem to be missing a little bit here. And I think that maybe through this teaching this morning and over the next couple weeks, something I want to kind of uh, build on is serving one another. And I, I, really, I really don't want you to take it personal. I want you to hear what I'm saying and I want you to take it home. I want you to read God's word and develop this in your own thinking. And uh, just know that God's really spoken to me in this. And I believe that this is the word he has for us today. Our God is a God who goes before is the scripture we're going to be kind of beating up this morning. It's in Deuteronomy. Before we go there, Titus 3.14 says, Let our people also learn to maintain good works to meet urgent needs that they may not be unfruitful. That's Titus 3.14. Deuteronomy, I'm uh, sorry, Romans 15 one through six, we then who are strong ought to bear with the scruples of the weak and not to please ourselves. Let each of us please his neighbor for his good, leading to his edification. 
For even Christ did not please himself, but is written, the reproaches of those who reproached you fell on me. For whatever things were written before were written for our learning, that we through the patience and comfort of the scriptures might have hope. Now may the God of patience and comfort grant you to be like-minded towards one another, towards one another, according to Christ Jesus, that you may with one mind and one mouth glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Let's go to Deuteronomy chapter 9. That's where we're really going to be today. Deuteronomy 9. I'm going to read you a single verse there, and then we're going, to, we're going to go back and read a larger part of it, but first I want to read this single verse. Deuteronomy chapter 9. A lot of times people read the Old Testament, and they say, well, the Old Testament, I've told you this before, if you've heard it before, just trying to drill into the, the core of the thinking there, but I don't know how you were raised in church. I don't know if you went to church growing up. A lot of, a lot of pastors over the years got, got, I don't want to say complacent, but they got comfortable in preaching from the New Testament. The New Testament is key to uh, the idea of salvation, the fact that we can see how faith comes by hearing, hearing by the Word of God, that Christ came and he, and he lived in the flesh like a human being, but he was perfect in every way, born without sin, lived a perfect life, was put on the cross, died an innocent man for men's sins, was crucified, buried, and raised again on the third day by a miraculous work of God and sits today at the right hand of the Father making intercession for us. That means we have a mediator between God and man. The man, Christ Jesus, what it says. That's important. It's important to know that. The, the other thing that's important is to know the Ten Commandments. Because if I look at the Ten Commandments, I can look at any one of you, but much more myself when I look in the mirror, and I can see that I've broken every single one, and so have you. So I have to have the Old Testament. The Old Testament, it says, is the tutor that demonstrates to us our need for a sacrifice, and by God's grace, he provides one in the form of Christ. So when I read the Old Testament, I have to read it, and I have to see myself. I don't replace the Israelites. The church didn't replace the Israelites. But the, the Israelites are you. When you see their failures and the way that they do all these things counter to God, it's you. You should be able to put yourself in the place of any one of those people. That's how I think. When I have an immoral thought, that's how the Israelites think. When they have an immoral thought, that's how I think. When they have an immoral action, that's what I do. When I do one, that's what they, they People are people. Throughout time, throughout history, and throughout location, people do what they do. Men are natural enemies of God. That's just what we are. Deuteronomy 9, verse 3. Therefore, understand today that the Lord your God is he who goes over before you as a consuming fire. He will destroy them and bring them down before you. So you shall drive them out and destroy them quickly, as the Lord has said to you. The God that we worship, he's the only wise God, the only true God, God of our fathers, our father God. He's the creator God. He's God our provider. You can find all these names in Hebrew names for him. You can find them as Greek names for him. He's our savior. This God is the God that we worship today, he is a consuming God. If you see that word consuming, it's, we sing it in these, we sing a song, we sing a song a while back and talk about, you know, he consumes me. Or if he consumes you, think of blowtorch completely emoliating you and burning you to nothing. That's what consumes means. And he has the power, Kaylee was telling me that there was a guy, a false prophet, teaching it. He's yelling on campus and he's saying, the Lord's going to cover this He's going to release these floodwaters and flood the earth. That's not what the Bible says. The Bible says when he returns, he's going to return with flames of fire. He's going to consume it with fire. That's what we've got to look forward to. Know where you're going beforehand. 
<laughs> so that you're not consumed like that. That's what consumed means. It means that everything except for gold, silver, and precious stones it will be completely consumed, wood, hay, and stubble, the very best that we can do on our own. And he's going to consume it all. And it will demonstrate to you and to him what you really are. It's a terrifying thing, it says, to fall into the hands of an angry God. Terrifying. Consuming. That's a big deal. Uh, anytime you light a torch, if ever kids are around, you light a gas torch, you know, it goes, pop, and everybody jump, you know, all the kids jump, run off, dog runs off. It's that times a billion. And it's a consuming fire. It's who he is. He has this power to bring down nations before you or to lift nations up. He can bring down kings. He can lift kings up. Uh, Ray and I was talking about um, President Trump this morning. And I said, you know what? Trump's going to be there and he's going to do what he does until the very moment that God has no use for him anymore. And at that moment, he'll be removed. And another will take his place. You may not like him or you may love him. But whoever he is, he's there because God placed the king there. And when it's time for the king to go, the God will remove the king. That's what he does. He lifts up kings. He takes kings down. He decides who needs to be ransomed. And by God's grace, he ransomed us. And he sent the Messiah to die in our place. He prepares the land that you dwell in now. Did you ever, I, I had to, when I'm in Africa, I had, you know, you know, you get a different mindset. You're there. You're amongst those people. They think a little bit differently. Same problems. You talk about people with marriage. Same problems. Same issues with husbands and wives. Same issues with parents and kids. Same issues with trying to get the food on the table and keep the car running and keep the lights on. Same stuff. But when it comes down to it, they have a different view of God of creation because they're in creation better than we are. They live outside. They live, you know, you saw them. Those benches that they sit on them things for three hours never moved a muscle on them poles. They didn't ask for a drink. They didn't get up to go to the bathroom. They didn't eat a snack. They sat there for three hours. And they were like, what else you got? And we sit here for 45 minutes. We're like, man, please, God, shut up. <laughs> Lunch is waiting for us, you know. It's the difference in, in their relation to the, I don't know what you want to say, the universe around them, the, the natural whatever around them. Um, but what they saw is they see how God went before them and put things in place for them. And I think we miss that sometimes. Uh, God prepared the land before we came here. It actually says in the, in the Old Testament there that just... Uh, that with the Israelites, that he went before them and removed these people. These, these Ammonite guys, these guys were huge. The uh, Zebumim, whatever they were, these were some giant, giant people. It said they were like grasshoppers before them. And I've told you before, they found skeletons as long as 26 foot long, 26 foot tall. You find a human skeleton 26 foot tall, you would feel like a grasshopper before that skeleton or before that person if it was alive. That's a big person. We say that's not possible. God's word said these people were giants and that the Israelites felt like ants or grasshoppers before them. And like I said, that's like one of these little two-year-old fellers, five-year-old fellers next to me. That's a grasshopper before. I mean, 26 foot tall is a big fella. The only way that man is defeated is because God says he went before them and destroyed them. Okay. So he prepared the land. He put... Sorry, I keep itching my leg. Something bit me or something. This place is rough in here, man. It's almost like Africa. No. Um, uh, he went before them. He went before us. And he put vineyards in place. He put 
plantings in place. He put seeds in the ground. He put minerals in the ground. All that stuff was there. And those people came in and they took advantage of it. And then it says that, I don't want to get ahead of myself, but what I saw, this one African man said that really brought that to mind, that he is the God that goes before. It's what it says. This African guy goes, we're walking along and everywhere these, these mango trees, big mango trees, the trunk, you know, big, this bigger, bigger. They're not overly tall, but I think it's just because it's so hot and dry, but they're huge, covered with mangoes, but the mangoes weren't for another couple months. And so the kids were eating them green, if you can imagine, just gnawing it off like an apple. They don't have a lot of food there. It's very dry. And this African man, I would have seen it like, man, come on, mango, you know, please, God, some rain or something. Ripening. And they're like, our forefathers, this guy said, our forefathers planted these mangoes here for us so that we could have food now and shade to, to rest under. You saw those people sitting under those trees. I mean, you're not sitting in the little mud hut. There's too many of them. You go out and sit under the tree. Everybody's sitting in the tree. There's a breeze going all the time. But that's, what, that's how they saw it. They saw it as the God that went before prompted the person that went before to plant a tree that they wouldn't necessarily receive a benefit from. If I plant a fruit tree today, it can be five to ten years before I ever get an apple from it. But it's not about you. It wasn't about them. It was the guy that's coming later. What can I do now for this guy that's coming later? And that's what God does. Our Heavenly Father is working so long term that a lot of times we're unable to see his hand working in our daily life because we're not looking at the big picture and seeing how he worked. He went before. This is, I'm going to give you a, the short and dirty, but on the history lesson of the United States. How about that? So before Columbus in that area, right about that time, other ships came to the U.S. and they brought this, to, actually came to South America, the Spaniards, and they brought this thing called smallpox. And it's one of the few times that they can really figure that they had about a 95% um, kill rate of people of these Indians. 160 Spaniards literally took North and South America with smallpox. Almost 95% of the Indians died, the native, whatever you want to call them, native Indians, North and South America, died from smallpox. That's the work of a God who goes before. Because if you bring the pilgrims to... Um, Plymouth Rock, and there's millions upon millions of Indians running around, which there was, there ain't no way they make it off the rock. One man said that as he went along the coast going north, that he saw a fire no, no less than every half mile all along the coast. And the same Catholic priest, when he came back five years later, he didn't see one in three days of travel, not a single fire. Because smallpox had killed them all. That's a God who goes before we don't see that as, a, we see that as, well, I mean, we mistreated the, well, it may be. But the God that went before had a nation that he was preparing to make a Christian nation, and he sent the people that went to Plymouth Rock, and they developed us as a Christian nation, and we grew from there. The Israelites had the same thing. God, the God who went before, these, these Amorites and Canaanites and so on, Perizzites and all these other ites, went in there and they built houses and they built vineyards and they built trees and they planted trees and they, they learned how to mine for different kinds of ore and they had different kinds of rock quarries and they were building structures. And he said, I'm going to push these people out in front of you and you're going to get to have all their buildings, all their trees, all their flowers, all their vineyards. And the same thing has happened for us. We did not put the minerals in the soil that are here that men could make iron from or gold rings and diamonds for your, for your ladies or 
wood that's growing on those. God went before and put those things in place. And he told man to have dominion over it, take dominion over the whole earth and be fruitful and multiply. And so man, using those things that God went before and placed, takes advantage of those things and he builds structures and does things. And, in, and not only that, but if, even if you look at my house, my house was built in 1938, surrounded by white oak trees that I didn't plant. They're at least 80 years old, 1938, so they're at least 80 years old. And we get shade every year from those trees that I had no part in putting in the ground. Someone thought ahead enough, and the guy that planted them, he didn't get no shade from a tree this tall. His house is two stories, you know. But I do. I get the benefit of someone that went before. A lot of us have fruit trees, especially out in Homestead, a lot of fruit trees, things like that. It was planted, pre-planted. This African guy, where, again, this cultural thing that we don't catch, we're walking along, he goes... He goes, we're just walking along, two and a half miles one way, so you've got plenty of time to walk. And I really thought, just a side note, how much that built their culture, how relational they were. Because if you're walking everywhere, he's like, yeah, our women are tough. I told you that. This one lady walked 20 kilometers to have her baby. I'm like, jeez, I would save the trouble, man. <laughs> have it right here. Go to the pond, have it so you got some water or something. But yeah, just keep it close, whatever. They're tough. They're walking everywhere. It gives you a lot of time to communicate with one another as you go places and do things and build relationships. But on the way, he goes, well, he's just walking along. And everything to him, Dave said, he said, I'm not a nature guy. And I'm like, oh, man, look at that, look at that. You know? And he goes, um, see that tree right there? That's a water tree. And it's just a big tree. With, it looked like a, what's the tree you guys, we saw the wood on yours? What was that called? Lo not a locust, but a catawba tree. It looked like that, those big those big kind of heart-shaped leaves, real big like that, big stump, smooth bark. Those big, that's a water tree. Whenever you see that tree, you know that there's groundwater really close to the surface, and it'll be good water. If you see that tree. So African man's walking along, he gets thirsty, sees that tree, he can dig a hole, he can find the water. Because God went before and put the tree there, knowing that some poor guy's going to wander by there. We walked the two and a half miles. It was probably 90 degrees and windy, and we did not bring water. They didn't bring water. We went there. We was real thirsty on the way. I was on the way back. We came back and they gave us this bottle of water. I'm like, <laughs> poured it on myself. You know, it's stuff. But they're just like, this is what you do. The kids were walking 10 kilometers, so what, about five miles, five or six miles, to school one way. Little kids. I'm talking five-year-olds. One way and back. No water. Never saw them carry up so much as a piece of bread. I mean, they're tough, man. That aside, see the water tree. Not only do they got the water tree, the water's close to the ground, and, um, but you got shade. He said, we even have shade while we dig the hole to get to the water. Let's, thank you, Lord. They got a thing called the honeybird. They see the honeybird pass, some bird that only eats bees. They see them pass, they follow the bird, it takes them to the honey. I mean, they're very aware of their nativeness and the naturalness around them and stuff. But when I see that, I'm thinking about the, the water tree and the, the shade while he did. I'm thinking, God's not just going before. He's a designer and a planner. We don't give God enough credit for the design that he's put in this universe that benefits us. The Israelites, that's the thing. He said, I'm going to put, and it happened to us. It happened to us. He said, I'm going to do all these positive things for you to test you. And they failed the test. Because what we do as people is we get these things, we're like, oh man, I am slick. Look what a great worker I am. Look how smart I am. God's like, I designed you, dummy. I put the brains in you. 
I gave you the ability to do those things. I put the craftsmanship in your hands. I put the desire in your heart to develop things. And you just took advantage of it. So who gets the glory? You're giving the glory to the wrong guy. If you're giving it to yourself, he gets the glory. I want you to just try to follow my thinking here. Deuteronomy 9, let's read this, 3 through 6. Therefore, understand today that the Lord your God, it is he who goes before you as a consuming fire. He will destroy them and bring them down before you, so you shall drive them out and destroy them quickly, as the Lord has said to you. Do not think in your heart after the Lord your God has cast them out before you, saying, Because of my righteousness, the Lord has brought me in to possess this land. But it's because of the wickedness of these nations that the Lord is driving them out from before you. It's not because of your righteousness or the uprightness of your heart that you go in to possess the land, but because of the wickedness of these nations that the Lord your God drives them out from before you, and that he may fulfill the word which the Lord spoke or swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Therefore, understand that the Lord your God is not giving you this good land to possess because of your righteousness, for you are a stiff-necked people. God has gone before. He placed things physically in us, in, in the land for us. And like, just, like the, just like the Israelites, we've benefited greatly through those blessings. And like I just said, we, we get to the point where we think it's us. And we live in the most abundant time that's ever existed on earth, besides maybe the, the peak of the Roman Empire. As far as we can just go purchase anything we need for health or food or, or whatever, if anything we want, a car or a or a home, or new underwear, whatever. We can just go down. We don't have to knit it ourselves. We can just go to Walmart, purchase whatever we need. We get sick, whatever, purchase health care and that kind of thing. And in, in Deuteronomy 8, it's probably on the same page for it. If you go to 8.11, it says something there. I told you, I just read it to you, essentially. But it says, beware that you do not forget the Lord your God by keeping, by not, I'm sorry, I'm going to start over. Beware that you do not forget the Lord your God by not keeping his commandments, his judgments, and his statutes, which I commanded you today, lest when you have eaten and are full and have built houses and dwell in them and all your stuff doing good, that you forget the Lord. We've got to be careful. We've got to be careful as the material wealth that just is a natural outpouring of the things that God went before and placed in this place for us. We have to be careful that our focus doesn't change to that and our eyes come off of the one true God because that's what we're really prone to do. Got to be very careful. It's not because of your righteousness. This is, a, this is a true story, and it's terribly tragic. So African man, Pastor Chibui's telling us, African man, he's in his house. Always been poor. Chinese are coming there, and, and uh, a lot of nations are, not just Chinese, U.S. is too. So much mineral wealth in Zambia, gold, and they're finding emeralds and things like that. A lot of gold, oil production, natural gas. There is water, but they don't take advantage of it for whatever reason. So a Chinaman comes, sees African man, goes to him and says, I want to buy your property and your house. African guy's like, um, he's lived his entire life in poverty in his house. And Chinaman says, I'm going to pay, you know, whatever. The average house is 5000 I'm going to pay you 20000 for this house, making up the numbers. African man goes to his neighbors and gloats about the fact that he just stuck it to Chinaman. China man buys the house, goes over there, tears the house down and starts digging immediately almost. And some of the stuff is really close to the surface, starts digging up gold and emeralds. Zambian guy is like, man, you did me wrong. Uh, you just bought my house. You didn't buy the land. And, uh, and uh, so he's taking the dude to court. But I'm telling you, African dude's out of luck. He bought it all. He bought the place. He bought it all. He got the mineral rights. But here's the moral of the story. 
African man sat on that porch forever how long, starving to death with gold and emeralds under his very feet. And he never put out the effort to dig a dang hole and dig up a, a piece of gold. I'd say his neighbors are digging right now, but whatever. The gold was always there. You know what I'm saying? It was always there. God's word works the very same way for us. And we often do just like African man. It's a gold mine of wealth that tells us how to handle every single situation in our life. Everything. From handling money to raising kids. Whatever your thing is that you think it doesn't handle, it handles it all. From handling kids, raising your wife, raising your husband, whatever. Uh, even about, even about the, the role of serving one another, care for one another, the way to do ministry, the way not to do ministry. It's got it all in the one book. And like African man, we put this book on the coffee table so that we can put our coffee on it so we don't get a, a, a ring from our coffee cup on the stupid coffee table. The coffee table is worthless, has no eternal value. We worry more about the coffee table than we do the Word of God. So if we don't go digging for the gold, then like African man, we sit there in despair and sorrow and say, God, where are you when I call? Why can't you hear my voice? He's there the whole time. He's like, I'm in the book. I'm in the book. And I gave you a language to speak to me in. Just pray. I gave you some other options. You can fast. You can study the word. You can hear the word. You can sing songs and hymns and spiritual songs to one another. You can encourage one another. You can do all those things. And I will be there. My presence will be in your midst. And instead, we, we don't open the book. The Christian life can be just as lazy as African guy. I will tell you, the poor ladies there, man, they work like dogs. They're very happy. But like I said, we sit needy and desperate like that guy, starving to death. And the very thing we need to give us the total satisfaction that we're looking for in life is right there if we just open the book. Look what it said in Deuteronomy 9 again in 4. It said, Do not think in your heart after the Lord your God has cast them out before you, saying, Because of my righteousness the Lord has brought me in to possess this land. But it's because of the wickedness of these nations that the Lord is driving them out from before you. I wanted to read you something. I was in Titus. Um, I didn't, I didn't uh, type it out there. So I'm going to look it up there. Titus 3, 4, and 5. But when the kindness and the love of God our Savior towards man appeared, not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy he saved us, through the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit. Go back to the 9-4. Do not think in your heart that the Lord has cast them out because of my righteousness. It says the very best. All of our righteousness is like filthy rags. The very best we can do, and I know I mentioned that last week, the very best we can do is like filthy rags. The very best we can do. And in that, it says... But when the kindness and love of God our Savior towards man appeared, not by works of righteousness, not by the filthy rags which we have done, but according to his mercy he saved us through the washing of regeneration, renewing the Holy Spirit. The work that Christ did allows us to be in the land and be blessed. Not by things that we did. Heck, we, I mean, how many here has actually mined iron and, uh, what do you call it, milled it into something? melted it, smelted it, and made it into a skillet for your wife. Not a single person here. You know what I'm saying? Maybe Lynn did. One day he was feeling craftier or whatever. But uh, 
I mean, think of all the things that you have to go purchase that somebody else had to develop. And he goes all the way back to the beginning when God put it in the first man that we could do all these things. And we get great advantage to be able to use that. If this could be true, that the righteousness, that, that we're not in this land because of our own righteousness, but because of the wickedness of the people that were here before us, then what does that mean about us? That means that we too could be removed because of our wickedness and someone could replace us. If you're not willing to follow the one true God, if you're not willing to follow the Messiah, if you're not willing to seek his face with your whole heart, well then, you're considered wicked. You, you don't get to be both. You're wicked or you're righteous. And the only way you're righteous is because God says you're righteous because you have Christ on you. Not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy he saves washing of regeneration, renewing the Holy Spirit. That's the only way. He's got to put it on you. He doesn't put it on you. Guess what you are? You're wicked. If you're wicked, guess what you're worthy of? Being driven out of the land. He doesn't, like I said, he doesn't do it because of our inherent righteousness. It says, in fact, that you're a stiff-necked people, you, me. If you keep reading in, in uh, chapter 9 in Deuteronomy, you see that it, you see all those sins that they committed against God. And in fact, at one point in verse 7, it says, provoking God. You know, don't poke the bear. That's what we tell Zach, you know. He's already, he's already big and bearish. You don't go over there and start poking the guy. You're going to get slapped. If you're honest with yourself, you would say that I have, I, I always be honest with myself in front of you, I have provoked God to wrath. But because of his mercies that are new every morning, great is his faithfulness. His long-suffering, long-suffering is the only thing that allows me to have breath to stand here and tell you that today. Only because of his mercy are we not consumed. He is a consuming God. That's a big deal. I was looking in uh, Genesis 15, 16. It says, when he's talking to Abraham, he's like, Abraham, you're going to go into Canaan. But you can't go into the... Ammonite area because it says their sin is not yet complete. They haven't sinned as much as they're going to sin. And when they get to that point, I'm going to put the hammer on them. And I'm going to use your offspring to take advantage of that. And you're like, yeah, they should. Forget them, man. The Muslims. Crush them, man. Crush them. And God says in Luke 21, 24, that there's going to be a time of the Gentiles when their time will become complete. What does that mean? That means there's going to be a time where there won't be one more Gentile saved. Did you ever see that? That's Jesus speaking, by the way. Romans 11.25 says the same thing. The time of the Gentiles will become complete. The time of completion is when there's not a single one left to be saved, and their wickedness is so vile that God will no longer put up with it, and he will them out of the land or consume them only because of his mercies are we not consumed and like i said this i recall to mind therefore i have hope that's what lamentation says they're in the process of being consumed in lamentations and that's what he says this i recall to mind therefore i have hope and even in even in god's patience and his long suffering we take advantage of this blessing and of this wealth this is coming off way more negative than i thought it would but anyway hang with me people it'll get better 
Um, <laughs> we take advantage of his wealth. You look at the Israelites, and what do they do? He rescues them from the land. He frees them from being slaves. And the first thing they do is they go make a, a golden calf, which was the emblem, the idol emblem of Baal, the prophet Baal, or the prophet, the god of Baal. The god of Baal, the god of prosperity. So as things start going that way, things start getting better, what do we do? What do we do? We try to add the gaining of wealth or the gaining of prosperity. We try to add this pro uh, God of Baal to the one true God, Jehovah, Jehovah Jireh, Jehovah Yahweh. We try to add it to him. We say we can have Christ and we can have this too. We should get both. I mean, we're righteous people. We should get the wealth and we can have Christ. We can have both. In fact, we can take time to make wealth when we should be honoring Christ. We can do that because we have all freedom in Christ. The Bible tells us that. That's what we do. We twist it up in our mind. And what it took there was it took a mediator. It was really interesting. It says, Moses says, he says, I took your sin. He went down. He took the, the bail, right? This is a picture of true repentance, really, for all of us. He says, I took your sin, Moses, took it upon himself. Then it says, um, the calf which you made, and I burned it with fire and crushed it and ground it very small until it was fine as dust, and I threw its dust into the brook that descended from the mountains. That's what repentance, really, true repentance, that's what it looks like. You took that thing, I don't know what your thing is, whatever your thing is, whatever that, that sin that, that encumbers you, you take it and you completely destroy it, you crush it, and you grind it to fine powder, then you throw it in the river, and the idea is that it washes it away. And um, it's not even, it's not just the, the removal of the sin, it's the removal, the complete destruction, and then the washing away of the sin that holds us in our life. And that frees us to be truly free to worship him. I've got to show you this picture of this little fellow right here. If Jed can find it real quick. This man right here, believe it or not, this, this cat's about, 35 years old. He's a very small little person. They're all pretty small. And I'm particularly large and ungainly looking. That's just how I look. So this guy, we had a church service and uh, this little feller was just wandering and um, very despairing. And we had all packed up all the stuff. Those ladies that were sitting out front here, those were the cooks. They were cooking lunch. And so they'd already packed up their stuff and the service was over. And this little guy says, I, I would just like to talk to somebody. I need some help. He was crying. And he said that I have something on me. I, I got to tell you this. Um, I'm telling you this not for my own glory. I don't want you to think that that's what I'm, I'm trying to tell you. I want you to see something here, okay? Um, I want to be careful that you don't think I'm just saying that Dale's the greatest. I'm not trying to do that. I want you to see what happened with this man's life. So he's walking by. And he's like, I, I couldn't even get into this church. Well, the church has got windows. It ain't got a single window in it, and it doesn't have any doors. I couldn't get in the building. So I came all the way around the front here, and I was looking for someone to, to help me. Well, what's the problem? Something is tormenting me. I can't sleep. It makes noises. It talks to me. It tells me to do stuff to myself. Um, it, uh, he was going through all this stuff that it was doing to him and tormenting him. And so, uh, um, so he asked if, if I would pray with him. Of course, now I want to, again, English is the second language. Jungle language is the first language, whatever it was. And a lot of them speak more than one dialect of these um, African languages. 
And so, um, so Pastor Chibui comes over there. So I said, I learned this from Pastor Elias back in the day. I said, I can pray for you and potentially cleanse you from this demonic force that you have on you. Uh, but if I do and you don't have Christ, then the Bible says that multiple times worse will return when they find this part of your mind cleaned and empty. And he was, he was like, okay. And he said, but I, I, need, I need to be saved. I'm, I'm, I'm afraid. I need to be saved. He was using words like that. So um, Chibui goes, well, tell me what you want me to say, and I'll tell him. And I said, well, just tell him in the native language. I mean, he's been a pastor since Moses was a kid, so he's, he's about 65 years old. So he just goes into any language, carries on there, gives the guy, and the guy just starts sobbing. He's um, just crying. He's like, he's asking him, you know, you know, what does sin look like in your life? What are these chains that have, you know, alcohol or drugs? Are these the chains? These are some of the chains. Yes, this and this and these other things. And the guy's just, he's, um, he's naming names, you know, and, and he is just completely repentant with tears. And he said, would you like to ask Christ to save you? And the man says, yes, I would. And he prays pretty much on his own. Um, Chibui kind of prompts him here and there, but he pretty much prays on his own and asks God to come into his heart to save him, to change him, that he'll follow him, that he's, and he asks for forgiveness for his former life and that, that kind of uh, situation there. And he's just, even when he gets done with that, he's like, what about these voices? They're going to come back. I said, well, let's pray. Let's pray for that. So I put my hand on his head, and Pastor Chibui, we just, about like that, and uh, we start praying for him in the name of Jesus, that there's any kind of, you know, uh, a demonic force on him? Is there one that wants to identify itself and that kind of thing? Praying for him. And the guy, all of a sudden, he just like <laughs> slumps down and is falling like it just, it was free. Whatever was going on, freed him. He slumps down. Jabui's holding one. He doesn't weigh nothing. He probably weighs 95 pounds or whatever. We pick him up, kind of bend him over. So now he's like this. And he's just, um, crying, but he's free. And he's talking about being free, and he's happy. Chibui says, well, you know, I give him the old Pastor Elias four things, you know, uh, pray, read the Bible, meet with others, and tell others about the, the hope that you have within you. And, and he um, he's like, well, when's the service? Are we having a service now? You know? <laughs> no, you have to come back tomorrow, man. They have some sort of service there about every day. So anyway, so they're going to follow up with the guy. The point is this. True repentance is usually accompanied by tears. When you identify with yourself, when you see in yourself what you really are as you stand before the pure and holy, untarnished God of the universe, creator of all things, and you see that you have, uh, you're due his wrath, that you have provoked him, that you have sinned against him. When you see that, when that's revealed to you, especially as an adult, maybe with children there's a lot more freedom there, but with an adult, there's usually in that true repentance form, you're like, oh man, this is exactly what I need. And I can't do this in myself, not by works of righteousness, what we have done, but according to his mercy saved us. Nothing that we did, and when you come to that conclusion, there's not a single thing you could do um, in that point, then God can save you. If you're going to fight the lifeguard trying to get out of the pool, he can't save you. You've got to go limp and let him drag you to shore. 
And that's exactly what happened with this man. And it's, it's what happens, it's what has to happen with every person. This idea of repentance that we saw right here with the golden calf where it's crushed, it's completely destroyed. That's repentance. It's completely walking from the old path. And that's what we told him. Here's these things of the past. You've got to put that stuff aside and you've got to walk a new direction. He's like, okay, that's what I want to do. I want to be free. So when you see that kind of repentance, you're like, you're like that's, that's what it's supposed to look like. So I was thinking that about the golden calf and that kind of thing. What about the people that are downstream of the golden calf? They threw it into a brook, right? This is what we do as people. You're watching the, we're watching the sin get crushed up and washed downstream. You're thinking, I'm going to go get my pan and I'm going to pan for that gold and get it back out of the creek. You know, I won't make the calf out of it, but you know, I'll just have it in the bank account there later in case I need it. You know? We've got to be really careful. In fact, we've got to warn other peoples that they're not mining our sin and trying to do the same thing with it. So here's the last thought. Here's what I want you to see. So what about the wealth of the earth that's in this building right here? Tony. <laughs> Ephesians 5. I read it to you last week. I'm going to read it to you again. This really prompted me on this, on this um, thing. I'm not saying we have to become this church. I'm not saying that. I'm saying that we need to take advantage of the wealth that's here. I want to read this to you again. Ephesians 5. Sorry, 19. It's talking about being fully filled with the Holy Spirit. Verse 19. Speaking to one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things to God the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another in the fear of God. Look at the, look at the action words there. We've got speaking, singing, giving thanks in God's name, and submitting. And all of them are for the other. You see that? This is a, this is a, a deep thing right here. It's deeper than we, than we give it credit for. It's speaking, singing, giving thanks in God's name, and submitting. And I told you to get to this point that we need to build into our fellowship a better habit or a better practice of doing these things when those ladies you heard those ladies singing and, and i got them all on a video on a on a video at the end and we'll play it when we're going to lunch or you can come back and just be on a loop you know and you can see them singing but it was like this pastor would say um whitney Corey, tracy jj linda renetta grace come up here and and sing and they were like okay and they got up, and they came to the front, and they sang. And when I say that to us, you're like, I'm not going up there. Forget that. I just saw Sarah sing. Sings like a bird. I sing like a crow. I ain't going up there. And, that, and that's the wrong mindset. And I'm going to say a hard word here. That's sin and pride in your heart. And I'm sorry to tell you that. But you're called to serve one another. And when you called up, and he says, I need a testimony from you of the goodness of God, then you stand up and you say, man, God has been good to me. This black, this, they're all black, this one skinny guy, and there's a picture of him and his wife and a little boy. When you see that picture, um, we said, we need a word, a testimony. And the guy got up and he said, last night my child was crying. There was something going on in my house. It was a terrible presence at one in the morning. The neighbors were, everybody lives on top of each other. And they were 
the neighbors were complaining. I got up and I started praying. I went outside, prayed. I got my wife, and we prayed. We walked around the house. The presence was so heavy in the house. We went outside, and, and all of a sudden, the presence was lifted, and, and the baby quit crying, and we went back to bed. Praise be to God. And everybody was like, amen, brother, amen. God bless. They were all encouraged because they saw God's hand working on this one man in his home. And all were encouraged by the work that God had done in this man. Another lady stood up. She had some health problem. She told us all about it, man. It was R-rated. She told us all, the whole story. God bless you, lady. The Lord worked on your life. changed your, your body and you're, you're healthy now. You were sick before. Everyone of the fellowship was encouraged by the word of a person telling them how God had worked in their life. So when we call you, we say, hey, can you give us a word of how God's working? Man, you should be knocking people out of the way to give a word. Hmm. I can't tell you how good the singing was. It was like they sang some songs. That was without amplifiers. Now, they actually don't own any speakers. They rented all that stuff. But without speakers, most of that music was without speakers. And they would be like, um, who, who, uh, do, do you want to hear, Tracy, you want to hear another song? And then you're sitting there like, well, let's hear another one. I mean, it was good. Oh, wait a minute, what's that one? Yeah, yeah, let's sing that one. Uh, they sing that song. Do you want to hear another song? Let's hear another song. I mean, we just sat there. We, they sang for a long time. The service lasted about four or five hours. It was, it was the real deal. Um, there was a lot of singing. There was a lot of preaching and that kind of thing, too. But there's a lot of singing. And the thing was, like I said before, you're not singing to me. You're singing to the Father. But you're singing for me. And I'm singing for you. And we've got to get untangled with how bad I sing or how good I sing. It's not about you. It's about the body of Christ and developing the body of Christ and serving one another. That's the thing that I saw. We've become, we, the church in the United States, has become very observational. Sarah, you looked really nice this morning. You sure sang good. Man, her voice is like an angel. We're, we're not, we're, good job, Sarah. I appreciate it. You sang for us. God bless you. Good job, Jed. Nice guitar, you know, action up there, whatever. Good job, Dan. It's not that. It's the caring for one another, the encouraging words for one another, where we're no longer an observa observational church, but we're a church where we serve one another. We care for others, the Bible says, higher than for ourselves. So, so there's a lot of gold and precious stones that lays latent in our fellowship that we can tap into as a body of believers. I know we can. It's going to take some habit breaking, like biting your nails. You can tell the, your kids, stop biting your nails. Stop biting your nails, Dad. <laughs> Stop biting your nails. But it's got to be on you personally to say, man, I'm done biting my nails. And then you've got to begin to not do it. Catch yourself doing it and stop, whatever. Well, however you're smoking or whatever the thing you're trying to break, whatever bad habit you have, you, it starts by working on that. And so the working of the, the habit that we have to break of not serving one another to our utmost is something we can work on. As we see the opportunity to serve one another, we can begin to serve. We can begin to care. In the gift of evangelism, each one of us has given us a gift, is given a gift at the moment of salvation. I know I'm going a little long here. I'm almost done. Everyone's given a gift, moment of salvation. Maybe more than one. It's up to the Holy Spirit to choose what the gift is. You don't get to choose. But he's going to choose one that fits perfectly, or more than one, that fits perfectly with your personality. And the way that it works is you work on using that gift and in time you get better at it 
Um, now, if you don't use it, it's like anything. It gets like an old rusty tool in a tool shed. It's there, and you could use it if you had to, but you're not going to use it well without putting some WD-40 on it first. So in order to use it, we need to be constantly in action using that gift, whatever it is. If your gift is evangelism, which is the calling of every believer to tell others about the hope that they have within them. However, some people are actually gifted with evangelism. They can walk by the guy, and the guy goes, what must I do to be saved? You're like, oh, okay. Um, I've met a few people like that. It's definitely a gift, more so than just doing it as a calling. Man, if you've got that gift, God bless you, man. Let's use it. Let's put it into action. Let's see people saved. What about generosity? And the Bible says that it's a gift, the gift of generosity. Not everybody has that gift to the fullness. It's another thing. It's like uh, the evangelism in a way. We're called to give. Some of us are called to give generously. If it's your gift. Old Zach Miller was telling me one time. He's like, man, uh, the, I just noticed that the, the more generous I was, the more work God gave me to do. It's like, I, he's like, I don't know, maybe that's not a good gift for him. It's like working him like a dog. But, but the point is, is that the more he gives the more he has the ability to earn so that he can give more. And it's his gift. If it's not your gift, I'm not on you. I'm just telling you, if it is your gift, use it to its fullness. Give as you've been given unto you. God will give the increase. If you can only give two mites, God will provide the increase. What about discernment or exhortation? You know, we have people that fall into things, and we have people with those spiritual gifts, discernment and exhortation. A lot of times, uh, this has been my experience, is that people seem to use spiritual gifts for their personal benefit. Like if you have that gift of dis uh, discernment or exhortation, you know, seeing the big picture, making the right call, seeing somebody else about to goof up right here, and you're going to swoop in there, you know, maybe use it to build your business, but you're not using it to build the body. If you have that gift, you see this man falling into sin, you see this woman falling into sin, you see this person um, needing to be encouraged, and you keep silent... You're harming the body. Use your gift for others. What about serving or administration, healing, workings of signs and miracles, mercy, faith, any of those gifts, use them to their fullness. And what we'll see is we'll see a body of believers that will absolutely explode in serving one another and care for one another. But we have to use the gifts that we're given. If I get a brand new football for Christmas and I leave it in the box at the house, nobody gets to play with it but me, you're going to lose interest in the football. It's designed to be broke out of the box and tossed with your friends. You've got to use the gift. You've got to share it with one another. And you've got to, um, um, you know, I mean, wear it out. There's going to be a day and you're going to croak. And when you croak, don't be taking the wealth that God's given you to the cemetery with you. Leave it here. Be used up on this side of the grave. The graveyard's full of all kinds of wealth where people try to keep it for themselves. Use it up here on this side of the grave. Use it up. I could use help. I'm going to tell you. I'm going to tell you. I could use help. I could use help in administration. I'm sure Sarah would love some help in administration. I'm sure. I could use some help in that. I'm um, getting these plane tickets and stuff, putting this video together. It's hard work. Renetta worked on it till. 12.30 last night. She worked on it off and on during the day. It's hard work to do that stuff. We could use help. I know there's people that are good at video stuff and that kind of jazz. We could use help. Um, we could use help in serving in the kitchen and cleaning and picking up. We could use help in caring for children. We could use help in singing songs, hymns, and spiritual psalms. We, we could use help in that. We could use help in all those things 
See what God has called you to as a spiritual gift and then, man, put it into action. And what we're going to see is he's going to provide the increase and it's gonna, we're going to see great fruitfulness in our fellowship. I really believe that. Do you believe that? Do you believe that, Corey? Corey's the only person that believes that in here. No. No, no it's true, man. We've got we to gotta be diligent to do this. So the old fruit tree... I got a big, nice apple tree in my yard. It's called Arkansas Black. It's a really good tree. Every year, man, covered up with covered up with apples. And every year, I do the same thing. I just let it do what it does. <laughs> a fruit tree that's pruned, you know, sprayed, fertilized, watered when it gets as dry as it is, man, you're going to have more fruit than 10 families can eat. A fruit tree that's not cared for, it's going to do what it does. It won't provide enough fruit that's not wormy and small and goofy-looking, weird-shaped stuff. It, it won't provide enough for one family to have a piece of peace. This body needs to be fertilized, cared for, pruned, trimmed. The little thing where they take the buds off, all that, I'm not even sure what that's called, debudding. It needs all that stuff. And we do that for one another when we encourage one another and sing songs to one another and tell one another, man... I really appreciate what you did in this area, that area this morning or this week or last week or whatever. And when you do that, the body as a whole benefits and ultimately God gets the glory. That's the goal. It's not that we get the glory. Not that, Dale, you did a great job this morning. No, God gets the glory. It's not about Dale. I wanted to show you these last time. I showed you the other day. I'll show them to you one more time. I was going to wear this shirt this morning, but man, it is roasting hot. It's got a, it's a shirt with a liner inside. So this is my, my African, super African shirt there. How encouraged would you be if when you did something for someone, they called the tailor over to you and the guy measured you right there and he sewed a shirt just for you? Would you be encouraged? Okay. My certificate of appreciation would like you all to see. I will be posting this here for you all to admire, okay? It says, uh, Pastor Dale Brown, in appreciation for spending your precious free time with us from 6 to 10 October 2019, preaching, teaching us the Word of God, inspiring us, and encouraging us. We also appreciate your dedication towards the work of God. Would you be encouraged if you got that? The reason, I'm not dogging Dave at all. If you think Dave is a cold man, you're, you're mistaken. Some people think he's, he's cold and unapproachable. It's not the case. He's a very sensitive person. And he's quiet, but he's not, he's not a mean person at all. And when he received these things, he was just in tears. Because he thought, I mean, I didn't give anything. These people don't have anything. But for them, this guy spent a large amount of time, apparently. They said he took a long time to print this out because he was wanting to make sure the, the words were just right. So he kept calling Pastor Chibui, you know, how does this sound? How does that sound? I mean, he wanted it to be right. Because he was so appreciative of the thing. We didn't do anything. We taught him. Four hours a day was the expectation. It was tough, I'm going to tell you. It's hard to do that much. And they sat there the whole time. And then they brought you the drink. And then they brought a little bowl over before you ate with a pitcher. And they stand in front of you. And you hold your hands over and they pour the pitcher over your hands so you can wash your hands before you eat. They go to the next one, the next one. I mean, we didn't do nothing. And they served us like that. And then at the end, they gave us a gift. How would you, would you be encouraged? Even if you're not a gifts person, 
Would you not be encouraged if you received a gift like this? How much more in our body and our fellowship when we speak to one another with psalms, songs, spiritual songs, hymns, I miss hymns in there somewhere, or this word of exhortation or encouragement, or whenever you receive those things, how does it make you want to serve the next time at the next level? So I'm done talking. Let's become a church of diligent doers of the word rather than hearers only. I want you to be encouraged. I don't want you to feel like I just slapped you around. I hope you're encouraged because I know that these are things that we can do. Do you believe that, I mean, are these things we can do? If you were called on to give a testimony, could you give a testimony of the goodness of God in your life? Nothing else, the fact that he saved you. Or we, we are bad to tease each other. Somebody gets up and sings and we're like, man, sound like cats fighting, you know. We need to be encouraging to one another when they sing in front of us, you know. So we'll work on that. I do want to say God bless you, and I appreciate you listening and, and hearing. Um, maybe this was a hard word for you to hear. Maybe you feel... Um, discouraged. I don't want you to feel discouraged. I want you to feel encouraged because God can work in this fellowship and he can develop this ministry so that each one of us can use our spiritual gifts to our fullest potential. And uh, over the next couple of weeks, I do want to teach on um, what it means to be servants, to serve one another. I'll try not to be so uh, mean and uh, um, serious, but uh, I do love you. I love this church family. This is a good, good bunch of people, and this is a really blessed fellowship. You do not know how blessed we are with abundant wealth from God the Father in the Holy Spirit. The spiritual gifts that, are, um, that could be used in this place are phenomenal. We just need to put them in action.